You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Mortgage rates fell over the past couple of weeks with the 30-year fixed rate mortgage dropping a half a percentage point. That means home buying became a bit more affordable than a week ago. But will these lower rates last? I'm Kathy Fetke and welcome to The Real Well Show. Joining me today is Jacob Channel, the Senior Economic Analyst for LendingTree, where he conducts studies on a wide variety of subjects related to the U.S. housing market, as well as provides general macroeconomic analysis. His work has been featured in major publications, including the New York Times, Bloomberg, Forbes, and CNBC. And he's here with me today on The Real Wealth Show. So Jacob, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's so great to be able to get your perspective because you you have data looking at the entire country. So many times the headlines talk about housing, but there is no like national housing market. It's so, uh, you know, it's just metro by metro. So what are you seeing in your data in terms of, you know, demand for mortgages? Sure. So, so it's kind of interesting. Um, in terms of the overall demand for mortgages, we are seeing that there is a decline. Uh, and, and that makes a lot of sense, given the fact that mortgage rates have increased by like two and a half percentage points uh, since the start of the year, which is a which you know doesn't sound like a huge amount when you just say two percentage points. But when you sit down and calculate how much more money that is on your mortgage per month, you realize that it's actually a really, really big jump. Uh, so I think that the latest figures that I have from LendingTree users is that I think the number of people applying for, for 30-year fixed rate mortgages, the most common type of mortgages, is down like nine or so percent uh, from this time last year, from the first half of last year. Now, what's interesting, though, is that while mortgage demand does appear to be falling across the board, some types of mortgages, like adjustable rate mortgages, for example, are actually becoming more popular. Uh, So it seems that people are trying different ways to adapt to kind of the current housing market where prices are high still, where rates are rising. And on those adjustable rate mortgages, are we talking five-year, seven-year, 10-year? I mean, do you have that access to that data? Yeah. So, so generally speaking, the most common type of adjustable rate mortgage, and this is also what we're seeing in our data, is is five one arm. Uh, so that that tends to be the most common one. That tends to be the one that lenders recommend. That tends to be the one that people kind of gravitate toward. Now, with that said, you know we do have additional data on say three one arms or seven one arms, and we're also seeing that those are increasing. So really, adjustable rate mortgages across the board are becoming more popular. Well. Fixed rate mortgages are sort of declining a little bit. Sure, and I'm, I imagine that has to do with price. So, is the five one, and that means it's fixed for five years. I think it might be confusing to some people what that means, but it is fixed for five years. Is that the cheapest loan you can get today? Is that why it's popular? Kind of. So it depends on what specific type of loan you're looking at. So, for example, yes, a five one five one arm rather is typically going to be less expensive than a similar 30-year fixed rate loan, for example. So if it's a 30-year conventional 5-1 arm versus a 30-year conventional fixed rate loan, you might be able to get a pretty significant difference in terms of the introductory rates. I think that our latest figures show an 89 basis points difference, which is 0.89 percentage points. Um, Now, in terms of whether or not it is the least expensive loan overall, that's not necessarily the case. So for example, sometimes you might be able to find fixed rate loans with shorter loan terms, like a 15-year mm-hmm. fixed rate loan, 
that might have a slightly lower rate than adjustable rate mortgage. Uh, there might also be some other types of mortgages out there that do have comparable rates or slightly lower rates, though they might be for different terms, like I was saying. The other thing to keep in mind, too, about adjustable rate mortgages is that they sound really, really good in the short term, uh, especially while your rate is fixed at that lower level. But remember that there's that whole adjustable part of the adjustable rate mortgage, which means that over time, if rates increase like they have this year, uh, then your rate can increase by you know, up to two percentage points during the first adjustment, up to five percentage points by over the lifetime of a loan. And that can account, you know, that can amount to, to hundreds of extra dollars a month, tens of thousands of dollars extra over the lifetime of your loan. Uh, so while an adjustable rate mortgage is often more more uh, is often cheaper in the short term, uh, in some instances it can actually end up being more expensive over the loan's entire lifetime. Yeah, if people are leaning towards the five-year, they must be believing that rates are going to come back down or they wouldn't get that. What are your thoughts on that? I know it's hard to predict the future, but we saw yeah. this this past couple of weeks, right? Rates came down. Yeah. Well, I think that that's what's interesting is that, you know, rates rates do you know rise and fall over time. And that's that's kind of the one thing that we can predict about rates is that they're probably going to change. Uh, how exactly they change is a much harder beast, especially five years out into the future. You know, for example, I'm sure that that five years ago, we if we were having this conversation, we'd be having a very different conversation. Considering that I don't think any of us would have predicted something like the COVID nineteen pandemic. Sure. Um, so you know, it certainly is possible that rates will fall. Uh, rates have risen dramatically this year, and yes, last week they did come down. But it seems like preliminary data for this week might indicate that they're already sort of trending back up. So certainly, the the longer term six plus month trend is up. And rates are high relative to where they were last year. But with that said, from a historical perspective, rates really aren't super high right now. No. Uh, they're, they're high compared to the record lows that we saw during the pandemic. Uh, but you know, just for a little bit of perspective, you know, in the early 1980s, they were nearly 20%. Uh, so right now, you know, they're 5.3% or so, which obviously is way, way lower than 20%. Um, so as far as whether or not they will fall over the next five years. Maybe, uh, though I I personally think that with something as important as a mortgage, you don't really want to be, you know, basing your financial decisions on on guessing. Uh, so I would say that you know, if I were getting a fixed an adjustable rate mortgage, I would sort of plan for rates to at least remain where they are presently, uh, and for my income to not necessarily drastically increase. That way, I can budget accordingly, and I'm not sort of hoping for a future that never comes, and then being blindsided when my rate and my payment inevitably do go up. For example, sure. I mean, short-term rates tend to be uh, obviously great for flippers, right? They're not planning on being on it in it for very long, but they they tend to get the you know six months to a year with hard money, which is more expensive. Uh, but for Rich and me, we've always chosen thirty year fixed, even though we rarely stay in any loan for very long. So, what would you say is the average time that most Americans keep their thirty year fixed rate loan? You know, I don't know off the top of my head what it is for everyone, and I'm sure that it will depend a lot on, for example, how old you are. Older people are probably going to stay in that loan a little bit longer, younger people less time. You know, if you live in, a, in a, an area of the country where the housing market is a little bit hotter, you're probably going to stay in the loan for a little bit less time, though it'll all depend. And I think very often people are moving 
you know, once every few years, once every five years or so. So they're probably not going to keep that 30-year loan for the entire 30 years. And even if they do stay put, uh, what often happens is that people will refinance. Uh, So for example, what we saw throughout the pandemic when mortgage rates hit record lows was a lot of people didn't necessarily move, though a lot of people did move. But some who stayed put said, all right, well, I'm still going to refinance my loan. So it's technically a different loan that has a much lower rate than what it was before. Um, So, you know, it will depend a lot on who you are, what your long-term goals are. I think that very often, though, regardless of what those goals are, 30-year fixed rate mortgage just provides, you know, a good blend of of security and stability. Uh, Mm -hmm. So even if you aren't necessarily planning on sticking around for 30 years straight, uh, you know, it can often be just a little bit more stable. So you don't have to chance, for example, your rate suddenly going up like you might with an adjustable rate mortgage. Yeah, you know, with the five one, can you explain what the one is? I mean, so that people know the five, the first number is the fixed rate number. So mm-hmm. five, seven, 10, that's how long it'll be fixed at that rate. And then what does the one mean? Or that what are some other numbers that come second generally on those? Yeah, so so generally speaking, it's, you know, uh, three, five, seven, maybe sometimes 10, which is the number that the the like you said, the number where the rate is fixed for, the number in years. So with a 5-1 arm, for example, it would be the rate is fixed for five years. And then after that, once a year, the one, uh, the rate can adjust. Now, one, usually the amount of times that the rate can adjust each period is one year. Sometimes that changes. It can sometimes be six months. Maybe it can be every two years. But I think generally speaking, at least right now, lenders do seem to be much more, they're they're much more likely to offer a 5-1 arm. Uh, So all that really means is, you know, once your rate adjusts after the first time, it can't adjust again for another year. Uh, So there is a little bit more stability in it. Now, with that said, again, you know, one year sounds like in a vacuum, maybe sounds like a lot of time, but with a mortgage, which often takes decades to pay off, if your rate is changing, once every year after you know an initial five year period, that can potentially be a lot of you know yo-yoing of your of your rate and of your monthly payment, and it can be kind of hard to pin down what exactly you need to budget for, uh, depending on what is happening you know, in the broader economy and what's happening with mortgage rates. Yeah, definitely more risk to it, but not maybe as much risk as I see on Facebook and so forth with people absolutely freaking out about the the arms that are there. The arms that we're talking about today are dramatically different than those danger loans of um, the early 2000s or the mid 2000s. Uh, Those I mean, I'll just say a couple of huge differences that come to mind for me in many cases there were people that had a poor credit history who got those. They didn't have to have any credit history or like a F minus in terms of credit, you know, um, that was the subprime mortgages and they could get these arms and add to it. No money down, sometimes cash back, uh, no paperwork at all needed, just sign on the dotted line. Uh, so anyway, very, very different scenario that you still have to put money down. You still have to qualify, open books, show that you've paid your debt, show that you have money in the bank. Very different kind of arm today than before. But still, as you mentioned, there's risk. So um, are you concerned at all about the increase in arms? 
So I'm not right at this moment. And certainly, like you point out, lending standards are much higher, you know, back before the the great, you know, great recession, there used to be these things called ninja loans, which were no income, no job loans, <laughs> uh, which, you know, if you're loaning someone three, $400,000 and they have no income or job, yeah, that's probably kind of a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Um, with that said, you know, now lenders are much more, you know, they're, they're paying much more attention to your credit history. They're paying much more attention to whether or not you actually earn an income. You know, you can't just walk into a bank and say, I've got a pulse, please give me an adjustable rate mortgage like you maybe mm-hmm. could have in 2005. Um, so with that in mind, you know, I do think that there is less risk, at least in the short term. And certainly with regard to, you know, like you said on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you hear that, oh God, the housing market is is going to collapse any day now. Uh, <laughs> the reality is that's probably not the case in large part because people have, you know, they're much more able to, to make their payments now on both fixed and adjustable rate mortgages. Now, with that said, since the start of the year, since adjustable rate mortgages have become much more common than they were last year, or even really through much of the period between you know, 2009 and 2021, we are seeing that lenders are a little bit more willing to offer adjustable rate mortgages to some people who maybe have slightly less amazing credit scores. Uh, it's nowhere near as bad as it was in, say, the early 2000s. But if that trend is left unchecked, then who knows? Maybe 5, 10, 15 years from now, we could have another instance where arms do contribute to some sort of major crisis. Yeah, I'm going to put my money on that. Uh, you know, banks don't want to go through that again. That, that's that's my vote on that one. Uh, they, I think, they learned their lesson, and they, as they should, uh, you know. And certainly, the big, not all banks got bailed out. So some of those banks that did those things aren't in existence anymore. But with that said, um, are you starting to see an uptick in delinquencies, uh, foreclosures? I mean, we we do know that's happening. Are you concerned about it? Yeah, I mean, actually, the the good news is is that though it is increasing a little bit, and that's to be expected because throughout the pandemic there were a lot of programs in place that just meant that lenders, for example, couldn't enter the enter the foreclosure process. So even if people would have otherwise, you know, defaulted on their loans or become really really far behind, there were programs put in place by state and, and federal government that prevented that from happening. So some of the increase we're seeing now isn't so much, you know, that the market is has gotten worse or that people are having more issues. It's really just kind of the backlog of people who who were sort of staving off the inevitable, finally sort of having to face up to, to what was probably going to happen from the beginning. Uh, with that said, though, you know, delinquency rates, foreclosure rates, they remain really, really low uh, from a historical perspective. Now, I think that the overall delinquency rate on all types of loans is it's definitely under 2%. Uh, for the most part, people are very, very well equipped to handle their monthly mortgage payments, their monthly debt payments. Uh, you have to remember that even though home prices have risen so dramatically, that period of time through the pandemic where rates were at record lows meant that people were getting you know, pretty big loans with relatively small monthly payments. And since most people have fixed rate loans, they don't have to worry about their payments suddenly increasing, even as the value of their home increases. So I think in a nutshell, you know, right now anyway, I'm not super worried that those numbers are going to skyrocket. I'm not super worried that we're going to see a ton of new foreclosures or a ton of new people falling into serious delinquency, even though the economy is kind of shaky right now, uh, just because you know the, the fundamentals uh, seem like they're still really, really, really solid. 
I could not agree more. And I, you know, I just need to stay off Facebook, honestly, because I like, I watch these people who all claim to be experts. And of course, YouTube, the same thing. And, and, you know, there's freaking out about these foreclosures and delinquencies. And it's, it's just still so it's, it's tiny, a tiny percentage and not really even back up to what would be considered normal because you're always going to have people who are facing challenges, whether it's because they're going through a divorce, it's the D's, right? The, the divorce, the drugs, um, disease, death. I mean, these are things that happen and it can cause delinquencies and foreclosures in any, in any market, in any market. But today, when you, when you have so, oh my gosh, you know, just such low inventory and still so much demand, there's really no need to hand your property to the bank with the equity in it. You just put it on the market, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What I do see is that people are are freaking out because it's taking longer to sell a home. And again, when I read these things, we're talking the difference of not being able to get in contract in three days. Come on now, that is not normal. Mm -hmm. That is pandemic inspired and low interest rate inspired. Uh, what would you say is a normal amount of time for somebody to go into contract on their home? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it will obviously depend on a lot on, on where you live and what kind of home you're selling. For example, you know, if you're selling some $3 million mansion, it's probably going to sit on the market for maybe a few months just because there's not a lot of people who can afford that. But for, you know, middle class homes, for the homes that most people have, I think in normal times, you might expect it to sit on the market for, for a month or more. What we saw throughout the pandemic was that, like you said, you know, it was three days and suddenly you have 300 offers, 95% of them are over asking price. And, you know, you snapped your fingers and suddenly your house was sold. That was really, really atypical. And I think that people should not, you know, grow accustomed or think that that's just how things always are and then panic when they kind of return back to normalcy. You know, what I've been saying since the start of the year is that what the housing market is doing, what it appears to be doing isn't crashing so much as it is returning to normal. Yes. There may be some instances where, where homes sit on the market a little bit longer, where prices fall a tiny little bit, but that's all pretty normal. You know, we're coming from a period of time where the market was absolutely crazy, where home prices were increasing by double digits, where homes were selling, you know, from, from beginning to end within a matter of weeks. Um, that was very, very atypical. So looking at things kind of returning to where they were in, say, 2018 or 2019 and saying, oh, God, that means the market is crashing is is not exactly the best course of action. And you really got to look at the whole history of the housing market over the last few decades. And once you do that, you realize, oh, what we're going through right now really isn't that scary. And you know, as long as you, know, you don't panic and don't panic sell or don't say, oh, God, I'm not going to make my mortgage payments anymore, you're probably going to be fine. Right? At least the majority of people are going to be able to weather even a slight housing downturn, which may or may not sometime be in the horizon sometime in the future. Yeah, the way I look at it is we're in a we have a window of opportunity right now where so many people are believing the headlines and the Facebook stories and the YouTube channels, the the crash bros and all that. So, you know, this is an opportunity to kind of take advantage of that. Uh, people are willing to negotiate if they're believing that a housing crash is around the corner. So I, I personally, uh, I'm all in, you know, I think this is an incredible opportunity. And I do believe that we're going to see interest rates go down probably mm-hmm. next year. I don't know when I'm just putting it out there. That's why I'm not too worried about shorter term arms. Although I, if I were going to do an arm, I'd probably 
two to seven or a 10, but, mm-hmm. uh, but I do think that people who are in short-term loans are, are going to maybe going to feel some pain right now. Flippers might feel some pain and anybody who, uh, you know, just thought they could put their house on the market and not fix it and, and not repair the roof and not paint it or do anything to it and get multiple offers. Those days are gone. You got your two years that's over unless we have another pandemic or something else. I don't know that that's over. So now you got to go back to normal, which means you got to make your house look nice. And then people got to come and see if it is in good working order. And if it's not, you might have to fix those things. You know, this is normal. It's healthy. And people just, you know, oh, they get so upset when they see all these multiple offers, if you're on the buy side and, and prices going up. But then when when the Fed comes in and tries to reverse that and slow it down, then they then they panic again. So you can't mm-hmm. have it both. You can't have low interest rates and low prices. It doesn't exactly. work that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, historically, the housing market was kind of a, of a give and take. You know, sellers gave a little, buyers gave a little, and both took a little bit away. Yeah. Over the past two years, though, it was very much a seller's market where buyers were just told, if you don't like it, then too bad. Too bad. Uh, and, and, you know, in a lot of ways, that's not really healthy for the overall housing market. It's certainly not healthy for people who are first-time buyers, for people who don't have a ton of extra cash lying around. So I think that, yeah, you know, it, it might be unfortunate for some sellers, uh, for some flippers, for example, which is always something that is a little bit risky, flipping a house. Uh you know, there might be some pain, it might be a little bit harder than it was, you know, last year. Uh, but but overall, you know, the market is still in pretty good shape. And, and that give and take, I think, makes actually things more healthy in the long term, so that one group of the housing market, be that sellers or buyers, doesn't have a huge amount of power and leverage over another group. I think for the housing market to work, you need both people, you know, giving and taking a little bit, Otherwise, you could end up in a situation where, you know, people are buying homes sight unseen and then finding out there's so many problems with them or sellers are refusing to do the bare minimum, keeping their house up to standards and then just expecting them to fly off the market anyway. Uh, So ultimately, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, yes, it's easy to, to, to doom spiral and think, oh, well, you know, tech bro. 1992 said that the housing market is definitely going to crash next week uh, because, you know, maybe you want the market to crash because you want to buy a cheaper house. But really, the reality is it's probably not going to. And you know, as long as you're, you're staying the course, you're, you're not doing anything that's super financially risky, um, you know, I, I think you'll probably be OK. I think we're all probably going to be OK. Yeah. And if anybody is trying to sell their house at top prices and feel caught off guard, I want to let you know that you did have warning. So next time around, you've got to pay attention to what comes out of the Federal Reserve. You've got to pay attention. That's what investors do. Wall Street listens between the lines, between the words of anything that comes out of the Federal Reserve. They control where things are going. So we've known since January that this was happening. You had six months. You know, you could have put your house on the market in February. So anyway, you missed it. If you're trying to sell at the highest price next time and from here on out, always pay attention to what the Fed is doing. They were they warned us. They really did. Yeah. No, I mean, as soon as we start hearing about inflation rising, uh, which we were, you know, early this year, late last year, that should have been a warning sign where I say, okay, well, inflate when inflation goes up, that means that rates also go up. So as a result, I better plan accordingly. And look. Like we've been saying, you know, it might be a little bit harder to sell your house right now, but that doesn't mean it's impossible. That doesn't mean that you're completely out of luck. Uh, People are still selling plenty of homes. There's still plenty of demand for new homes on the market, 
even with rates higher than they were last year. So again, there's really no reason to panic. And yeah, definitely in the future, pay a little bit more attention, especially if you are a homeowner, especially if you are someone thinking about selling. You know, don't obsess over it. Don't obsess over every little thing the Federal Reserve does because that will just drive you insane. <laughs> uh, but, you know, do pay attention. Do say, oh, gee whiz, they keep talking about maybe raising interest rates. Maybe I should adjust my you know, budget or my schedule accordingly so I'm not completely caught off guard. Yeah, I mean, I think they said, you know, early on this year, we're going to raise them seven times. Flat warning, warning. That's going to slow things down. That's what they're trying to do. All right. Well, it's been wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much. Any last comments for our listeners who are real estate investors and wondering if they should buy or sell? Yeah, I mean, I'd say, you know, just to reiterate one more time that it doesn't seem like the housing market is on the precipice of some major collapse. Yes, sometimes we see scary headlines or we see you know posts on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter or wherever that make us a little bit fearful. And I'm not saying that you should just you know throw your hands up in the air and and you know be completely laissez-faire about this. But you know, at the end of the day, the fundamentals of the housing market remain strong. So whether or not you're a buyer or someone thinking of selling or just generally investing in the housing market, now can still be a good time to do that. Uh, so don't get scared off too much by the headlines. Pay attention, but you know, don't let fear kind of govern all your financial decisions because if you do that, odds are you're probably just going to make worse decisions for yourself in the long run. So ultimately, I think that's my message is, you know, just keep calm and carry on. Don't don't let panic completely overwhelm you. Love that. Unless you want to sell something to me for super cheap, then you can panic all you want. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want to sell me a house in Brooklyn, New York for like, you know, a few hundred grand, then yes, the housing market will crash tomorrow. Please give it Yeah. <laughs> oh, wonderful. All right, Jacob. Well, it was a pleasure to have you here on The Real Well Show. We really appreciate your insight. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Well Show. You can get access to a lot more information and free webinars, like hundreds of them, at realwealthshow.com. And it's free to join. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.